3: This episode is one for the books. NeNe digs up dirt on both Phaedra and Candy. Portia's stress sends her to the hospital. I become a doctor in analyzing this episode. And Mama Joyce isn't holding back on how she feels about Candy marrying Todd. TV personality Caitlin Bristow joins me to break down the episode. This is Real Housewives of Atlanta, season six, episode six, The Old Lady and the Shoe. Let's get into it. Are you a housewives fan overall? Are you you do you are you seasoned in all of the cities? Do you like one city in particular and do you
4: watch Atlanta? I am nervous to even say this but I- this was the first real housewives episode I think I've ever watched in my whole life. I'm a wow. fan of certain people from the show for uh, you for example very I look up to you as a businesswoman so much and listen to your podcast all the time and get so many thank ideas you. so th- so thank you for that um, but so' I'm, I'm fans of certain people but this is the first time I've actually sat down and watched an episode. Oh and, my god uh, amazing yeah so it was it was fun for me to watch. Okay, so uh, that's because
3: some people do come in with that perspective. Uh, So to give you so Atlanta's on now, I think. Uh, I don't know what season they're in. You know, currently it's a very different show. It doesn't do as well as it used to. Like currently the ratings, you know, these cities have different. It ebbs and flows. And for a while, Atlanta was the, the star during like I think it was the Porsche and NeNe days. Atlanta was the star. And like New York, when certain people have left. The, and it gets refreshed and rebooted. It gets ruined. So I haven't seen the current, but I hear, I hear nothing, which is never a good sign. I absolutely hear nothing about it, and yeah. that means that you know, it's not doing that great right now. The, not that it's—I'm sure it's a fine show. People are invested, but it's just not where it was. Right. Um, so this, to me, was—I mean, earlier than this, but this was kind of in its heyday. Like, this was in, because I had seen this episode, and I I haven't seen, I have not seen most of Atlanta, but back in the day, I really liked it and really tuned in, and this was part of that era. So, it was good for me to throw back and go back into it and be reminded when Atlanta was really good, and I'm sure it'll be good again, you know, every show takes you know has yeah high, I feel that way valleys. about um
4: a lot of a lot like the bachelor bachelorette for oh example, yeah like the ratings go up and down and I'll, it's it's like it ebbs and flows same thing as what you're saying so it was it's interesting for me to watch too because I'm I got invested where I was like well what are they doing now like after that girl fainted is she okay now or does like what came of all these things so I probably have questions for you It felt like you were watching a soap opera that
3: you had no idea who these people were. And all of a sudden you just cared about what the hell was going on. Yeah, this (laughs) was a pretty. So I've seen a lot of Jersey episodes where men are like fist fighting and crazy stuff. And people are in Atlanta where people are ripping each other's hair out. This to me was an iconic Atlanta episode. Shout out to my producers for choosing it. It was iconic because of that bridal scene. And we'll get into it. But it (laughs) was an iconic Atlanta episode. This is back. I just thought the show was so entertaining then because I keep going back to this thought as we have a current new cast in New York and a newly very, very glossy produced show. This was back when it was messy and I like things messier. You brought up The Bachelor <laughs> yeah. and The Bachelorette and people have said that, you know, Chris, of course, that's who they've cast in the show, but Chris Harrison leaving right. affected the ratings. This is when right. the show was really messy and not perfect. And what do you think about that? In the Bachelor well, I,
4: sphere, I love that too. I think, um, you know, I think people. Th- well, first of all, there there used to be alcohol flowing all the time, and it was just kind of like. i I don't know comical to watch from a fan perspective because there was no limit and there it was messy and people could do whatever and get away with so many things where now everybody's worried about certain things and now we've gone back to kind of the same format where it's the same bully every season the same victim the same this and i do miss the messy days because now there's a two drink limit and it's just not what it used to be and i and and i agree about the chris harrison thing it just kind of changed after that interesting
3: so we're saying the same thing. You're saying it's more heavily produced now, even without the yes. alcohol, that there's a format and you can predict it and you could study so it as a bachelor. You could study it as a bachelor or bachelorette walking into it and try to produce yourself. And it just doesn't, it's, a, it's not the same thing. For the, the, the final product is not the same. The, the audience yeah. doesn't trust it. We're also in the world now where there's citizen's journalism, TikTok, real is very, real, un- Edited, no lying is very in. A girl yes. pretty much got canceled for having fake eyelashes on in a mascara ad on TikTok. So <laughs> yeah, I
4: saw that.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we're in the era, at the same time that we're in the era of people wanting real
4: mm-hmm.
3: reality, ironically, reality shows are overproduced, over sanitized, over waxed and
4: shiny now. And the viewer can tell the difference. Yeah the the viewers getting really smart and I do think you're right there's so many people it- I, myself included, where I go on my podcast and I talk about, well, what really happens behind the scenes and how, you know, so many people now are going on to be TikTok influencers, to be Instagram models and influencers. And, and we as viewers see right through it. And I think it's because, uh, you know, people like to expose the shows like that, too, because it's nice to know what is real, what is edited, what is fake, what is, you know, manipulated.
3: Also back then it used to be normal messy human beings cast on the housewives totally imperfect their homes weren't perfect nothing was perfect right. no one there was no social media so now i bet you on the bachelor and bachelorette series people are being cast because they have a social media following and so the, it's a circular totally. reference where they're they're going on the show to get more famous and they don't really have good intentions i found that on my show that most of the people that came on to the show the big shot wanted wanted to be famous, they didn't really want the job.
4: Yes, exactly. I feel that in, in a lot of reality TV shows. Now I find that and it's it's losing the charm of it as well. Because I, f- I find that watching people who really weren't on for anything, but like, you know, Bachelor, for example, obviously, that's what I'm going to continue to relate back to because I experienced it. Yeah. But um, it it was not an opportunity to have a brand or a business and it was it was more charming back then because people were really there for love and they didn't really know what to expect exactly and so now you kind of see through people and nobody's being as authentic as they used to be and it's just all um, not as enjoyable to watch so the medium has changed so the the
3: headline is that reality television ironically has morphed into something scripted formatted produced and perfect and normal people who are literally reality are becoming famous and that's being celebrated. Um, Interesting. You look like a cross between Jenna Dewan and Megan Fox to me, which is certainly nothing (laughs) that anyone would be uh, (laughs) upset about. I'm like, shook, And she's wearing a sweatshirt (laughs) in the morning with a ponytail. So, and don't worry, I haven't, I haven't, wash my hair in two days.
4: All right. So, oh, you're that, this is greasy. The, thank you. As are you. And this is greasy. I just came from the gym. So this is dry sweat as well. So thank you so much. That's very nice of you. <laughs>
3: beautiful. Okay. But very sweet also. So, all right. So we're getting into this. Um, This is the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Okay. So Candy's assistant is is her best friend. Like that's a headline to me. Like, let's just start with that. You're imagine your assistant being
4: your best friend I cannot I could not I could not either I although my assistant is like one of the most loveliest human beings on the planet I could see her becoming almost family but a best friend I could never tell my best friend to do stuff for me
3: (laughs) that's what I'm saying you have a best friend your whole life since it sounded like they were 12 years old at least Um, yeah and then later And there's but it goes both ways because you want to help your best friend. Maybe she needed a job. Maybe she could use the money. Maybe you overpay her. It's amazing. But there's definitely a fine, fine line. And this show really, really crosses it because now we come out of the gate with Carmen, her best friend, saying that Candy's mom thinks that she's
4: having an affair with Todd. Like, okay, (laughs) and they're about to get married. My mom is her name. Mama Joyce. That's who it is, right? Yes. The mom. Okay. She um, from what it sounds like on this episode, and they even say, I think she likes to make anything dramatic. So she's just I feel like she just made it up to cause some drama. She's like, let's say that you're hooking up with that person. Let's cause some drama. Well, I've never said this
3: out loud. But I have thought that she wants to be famous. But like, you can see when people around you really like it. And that's okay. But it seems like she's gotten attention for it on the show and really likes it. But I think it is who she really is because Carmen sort of indicates and implies and sort of says that this has been a dynamic
4: that's been going on a long time. Right. I mean she's not in the center of the photo wall and she wants to be this and that. So right. it, it could be really who she is, but also she's really really leaning into that. <laughs> she's not she's
3: up. I think that yes, reality TV It's exactly what that is. Reality TV, anything that would normally happen gets maximized and highlighted and blown up 30, like 30 times. Like if you would say to someone, oh, I'm not sure that I would have chosen that top on reality TV. You'd be like, that top is whack. You
4: know, it's and then and then the music that they can play behind it that
3: adds to the dramatic effect. (laughs) That's funny. Yes, that's really funny. So you wouldn't know this, but Todd Candy's husband is a Real Housewives producer that she met on the show so they broke the fourth wall got together got you know and are getting married on the show and now he's a a cast member he went from being a crew member to being a cast member whoa i didn't know that that's yeah i like when shows break the fourth wall but that's crazy well right because on the bachelor people have gotten trouble in trouble because producers have had affairs we haven't thought about that we've never made that connection that producers have had affairs with cast members and then both people have gotten fired and taken off the show and on The Housewives, it's celebrated and now he beca- he gets rewarded and becomes a cast member because that's good TV on The Housewives but right. not on The Bachelor. We're definitely not on The Bachelor. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So, like, somehow, psychologically, it feels like a young cast member on The Bachelor is being taken advantage of by a member of power or member of the crew and it doesn't feel like that on Housewives.
4: Oh, it, that's a good point. I have seen some, um, and and stuff has come out in the past about it. But there's definitely been some inappropriate relationships between people in power, you know, and and the cast members of Bachelor. And I'm surprised more hasn't come out, but it definitely happens. It's a it's a shame. Sometimes, like Ramona got
3: really mad when we haven't even gotten into the show yet because this is <laughs> BTS. But Ramona got Ramona from the New York Housewives got mad because a crew member ate our crab cakes the food that i had made for us um and it was when we were on the scary island iconic episode that went sideways and so one of the the crew was like eating their feelings and stressed out because it was it went crazy so they were eating our food but like normally the crew isn't using our bathroom eating our food i'm shooting for my youtube series with a with a housewives producer and at my house i said because we were all sweating it was super hot if you want to shower here and i have guest houses and basements and other areas and it could be in my bedroom. I don't care. And he was like, it's okay, but thank you. Like he he felt it was like a very thank you because cast is not telling crew to shower in their house and they're not. So crew isn't using your jacuzzi or your pool. It's like they
4: have their own place to stay. So it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of weird gray areas and lines you don't know, of, like what's appropriate to cross or where it where it gets weird, especially on that show. You're spending so much time with, you know, the crew and production yes. and you get so close to them that 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 line becomes a little bit blurry of what's appropriate and what's not. And the boundaries have really been blurred. When I went on The Apprentice
3: years ago, cat crew did not even speak to cast unless it was like doing it interview bite or something professional. There's no ever talking to them. And so I walked into Housewives thinking that and it was completely different. Jill had, you know, producers staying at her, Jill from New York Housewives had producers staying at her house to go cast people and you're eating meals with them and drinking wine with them. And it's the lines are blurred. They should maybe go back to the way it was. So, you know, they're not.
0: at purdueglobal.edu
3: so speaking of boundaries where do you stand on setting boundaries with a parent and child relationships when both people are adults so i even i have boundaries with my daughter who's who's 13 but i've seen so many people before who don't know how to say to their parent this is where the line is this is where it's not. And this is unacceptable. I'm an adult. I make my own money or whatever it is. And you're not it's not acceptable for you to behave this way. And Candy and Mama Joyce's dynamic could not be more of a blurred line. And I think it's wildly inappropriate. And Candy really is a little bit of a doormat to her mother. She just creates no boundaries. So what do you think about that?
4: Oh, I have let me I've done so much inner child work and therapy. And like I, I did at the beginning of the year, this whole week retreat of it. So I feel like so aware of certain boundaries and, and things that I've worked on personally. And when when I was watching that, I just kept thinking, wow, that they could really benefit from Hoffman, the retreat that I just went to for inner child work, because she's just grown up like that. I mean, that's all she knows. And she's never it seems like I obviously this is just from me watching one episode, right. it, it feels like she's never been able to stand up to her mom, because even Todd was like, you've got to stand up for yourself. And uh, I just don't understand personally, because my mom and I have such an incredible relationship. Um, but there are so many hard boundaries. And um, you kind of have to become the parent at some point as a child yes. when you turn into an adult <clears throat> and I know that's hard for parents um sometimes but my mom does so much work on herself too that it was like a very easy transition for us as long as we could have healthy communication but it just seems like they've never practiced that they've never had that no. and like it would be hard to start now she's
3: me th- your mother's meeting you where you're at and vice versa and I don't get into like Opining so strongly, and Candy's smart and strong and a, and a badass in her own life, yep. except for this one relationship, and that's what's really fascinating. And I've seen it before, grown you know, successful adults with her, with their parents. So yep. Nene and Greg, it's so interesting to watch. As Nini in my opinion, well, Nene, not in only my opinion, Nene is an iconic Hall of Fame housewife. She's yes. sitting with her husband Greg, who has now passed. Oh, they had no. gotten. Yup, they got divorced. Then they got back together. I think this is before they even got divorced. It was been a roller coaster with them, and he's passed away. And they're talking to these other two people um, about Phaedra, who you later see is studying to be a mortician, which, which mm-hmm. is real. And um, Nene's sharing that Phaedra has the reputation of being the head doctor. Dick surgeon. So I, I mean, I'm sorry to bring this up to you, but it sounds like Nini saying <laughs> that Phaedra has a questionable reputation. So it, it felt to me like, <clears throat> and that's what Nini's messy. Okay, and the thing about reality TV is that we want them to be real, but we also want them to edit themselves, and it's not fair. If you were talking to a girlfriend, there are some things that your girlfriend would say to you that they would never dare to say on TV. And what I right. like about Nini. She's willing to just be who she is off camera, on camera. So while it's not appropriate for her to share that with two other people, which is is where you lose me, you're kind of like, okay, that's what Nene thinks of Phaedra, and she's just saying it on television. So what do you think about this?
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I struggle with that, too, because I'm... I am such an open book. And on my season of Bachelorette, I was considered like the most controversial because I talked about sex because I had sex before the fantasy suite. And it was just it was a whole thing. And I was I was so um, confused by it. Because I grew up in Canada, I grew up where we talked very openly about, um, like what was happening in relationships, we'd sit down with my family and have like feelings meetings and just really open, honest, and you were always accepted for just being who you were. And we Mm -hmm. would talk through it where I went on to a television show just so naive, I have never done TV in my life. And I just thought like, I I didn't understand that I was going to get backlash and then I didn't understand the backlash when it happened, but I really wanted to stay true to who I was. And I kind of channeled it into women empowerment and having a voice and being, you know, a person who can talk about this. And I'm, you know, it kind of let me step outside of this box of what has been made for the bachelorettes. And, um, so now I did it land, did it ultimately land? Yeah. Yes. It, 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 went from me feeling rock bottom and like getting a lot of hate and slut shaming to turning into like, no, this is who I am and built a community around it. And it's been like one of the most empowering things for me where now I just go like, if somebody were to say that on TV about me now or talk about that time in my life, I have like pride in where I came from and how it happened and who I am. So I'm kind of OK with it. It just kind of depends on the person, um, if they are or not me personally personally. I, I could talk about anything. I, I don't know their dynamic and relationship right. over all the seasons. So I'm like, is, is this typical of Nini and is Phaedra is she, is she hurt by it?
3: Well, I mean, Theodra is a great TV character. I mean, it's embarrassing. I think, I mean, I once, my only regret ever on television is calling someone like a sort of slut slur um, based on behavior that I had seen. That was hypocritical to be honest, but but that's not what we're talking about. I feel like it was just a random shot. So I don't, you know, it felt like a random shot just to like, she doesn't like Phaedra. And a lot of times on these shows, they want to just character assassinate versus calling out the thing that's actually going on. And that's just a low hanging fruit, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) So no pun intended. So, and yeah, and I guess, but that's hard to resist sometimes if someone has a reputation, often it's that someone's hypocritical and you know, acts like she's very a Southern Belle. So then if she's giving, you know, blowjobs to everybody she knows and it's got and she has a reputation, it's going to be tempting on these shows to call it out. It's like for me, it was a a woman who tries to act like she's a royal and tell other people how to act in etiquette. And she has a very, you know, questionable reputation in many areas. So it's irresistible to bring it up because of how much someone tries to act like they're better than. it's never in a vacuum. If you were on the show acting like you were a complete prude and a nun, and then people found out that yeah. you had had sex before the fantasy suite and all this stuff. It's the combination, I think, versus the thing in and of itself.
4: That's a really good point. It it feels more like and uh, Nini was just trying to like, like, it might even be her humor. I'm not sure to just take jabs or. Captain um Hally. Yeah, that's so. So I'm kind of like that, too, where that sometimes where you got to put your foot in your mouth and go, oh, I just did that thing that I do. And it might hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> exactly.
3: But we're on a reality show, so I got to be me. And then I'm going to, you know, it's a whole circular reference. So <laughs> yeah. Apollo, Apollo, who later goes to jail um, is Phaedra's husband, and he's texting Kenya. So I don't know what the hell that means. And I know that Kenya and Phaedra don't like each other. So it doesn't matter. I don't even need to know what the hell that means. I vaguely remember it, but it's fucked up. It's unacceptable and it's literally black and white. There's nothing I need
4: to discuss, right? Yeah, I agree. Even just watching that one part, I was like and and his um apology was just so uh inauthentic. It was it didn't feel real. He was just kind of uh dismissing her feelings and just being like, "Oh, it's not a big deal." But really, If it was the other way around, it probably would have been a big deal. And I just hate the double standard. But I could see a little bit from him. It
3: seems like a man, you know, men, I've had this experience, men get emasculated by strong, successful women. Oh god! And it seems like he has no purpose and no real job. And he's emasculated by her success. And he's saying that he kind of wants the old Phaedra, which to me says before the show. And even though he seems like not the greatest guy, it brought up to me how relationships really can't weather reality television like the person is going to change and it's just it's not natural for this to I had that
4: written down in my notes I literally had it written down when I was watching the show being like he is so emasculated he wants he's not getting the attention he used to I I'm not a man hater love men but they are such babies yes and that's how I felt watching this me too he's a an insecure he's the he's
3: not the moneyed spouse and he's displacing yeah. it, and he feels inferior. And so the way that men do this with women is to then find other ways to exert their power because they really don't have any. So they find other ways. And you could see this here. I've been through this. Um, yeah. So she, I mean, the fact that I love the fact that she's opening a mortuary. I think it's genius on television. No one's ever done it. She should have renamed her character on the show Morticia. <laughs> um, you know? So what do you... Think about, I am, by the way, I and I literally, this is such an example of not until you have a tween understanding something. I cannot imagine talking about anything to do with sex or the sex talk or my daughter having a boyfriend on television. I think it's a violation. I think the parents, yeah. I actually, in watching it in a vacuum, I think that they seem like great parents. Cynthia is a great co-parent. Right. He seems like a great co-parent. She seems to choose good men, even though she's divorced from both of them. She may not choose good men for her, but she has good relationships with the men that she's been in relationships with now. And that's hard to do. And I haven't been able to to achieve that. But I am struck by how much of a violation and breaking a boundary it is to talk about anything about a tweens dating or sex life on television. It's just it's wrong it's not good for them. They I agree. hate it. There's nothing good about it.
4: I agree. They're, they, they don't know, like, they're so fragile at that time in their life and they have only their parents to look up to for advice. And so if they're, they're they don't really have a choice, like, oh, I'm, my parents are talking about this on TV. You haven't given them a choice. It feels like, oh my like. God. And, and it feels like what you said, like, two things can exist. They are great co parents. Um, They look like they have like a strong relationship with their daughter where they have that trust and respect to have these kinds of conversations. But at the same time, it's, in my opinion as well, wrong to expose that on TV because um, I don't feel like you're protecting your child at that point. I really don't. And I really did not know this at all. Then I wouldn't have thought about it's a scene in a
3: show But like, you can't say the daughter agreed to it because she's a child and my daughter will do anything I want to make me happy for the most part, you know? And you sometimes can see when your kids get a little uncomfortable, but they're going along with it and they can't process their feelings to use their voice. One of the things I say to Brent a lot about, she's been in situations in the past where she's felt uncomfortable, not with me, but about circumstances in my divorce. And the one thing that the therapist says is to, it doesn't matter if she gets the results she wants, but she has to learn to use her voice showing me that they would not their, their mind and their voice can't keep up with catch up with their emotions to say like, I'm not comfortable with this. Well, how do you know how it's going to be perceived in school? Like they don't, they might be, they might not be playing chess. What are your friends going to be saying when you're walking down the street with your father talking about having a boyfriend and then the father saying to the mother, she's going to have sex. I, I really hate it. And I would never have even said this years ago. I just have a tween and I think it's, a violation, also from the network, from the Bravo right. and the producers. Like, let's not exploit a thirteen-year-old's relationship and sex life. And if this happens, we're not going to air this. Like, it's disgusting.
4: I, wh- how old um, do we know how old she is now? Maybe she's fifteen
3: or, or sixteen. I don't know how oh, old so she's now. That long it ago.
4: Okay, I don't know yeah, how w- she's in the scene. She looks
3: to be fourteen. I, I, I mean, she's a teen or a tween. I, I, I don't know exactly how old she is, but it's not great. Um, Oh, she's 23 now. She's 23. How old was she then? She was like 13. It's terrible. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's my daughter's age. Horrible. I'm going to say I'm not. I think I love Cynthia. I think she's lovely. I think her husband seems lovely. I think it's a terrible decision by everybody. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, the network should not be exploiting 13 year olds and referencing sex. It's disgusting. So I have a very different perspective now. Okay. Um. The cat Cardio Cabaret is adorable. That's like a producer scene that they want to have everybody do something uh, together. And Luann should have been there because Luann from New York, her life is a cabaret. She's a cabaret singer. Oh, I love that. I love watching them dance. I think Kenya was a great dancer and I would have liked to see them dancing more. Like I saw Nini, you could tell she had good moves. Candy was really into it. And it's
4: like sexy and sexualized and I love watching it. I did too. I grew up dancing my whole life. And anything that has a dance scene, I'm into it. I I'm obsessed with it. And they were like working their hips and getting all sexy. And I was it felt like it felt like something that you could tell it was like the producers maybe wanted them to do it. And they're like, okay, and then they got into it. And it was a lot of fun. And I think they enjoyed it.
3: Well, and that they were competitive about it, because you could tell Kenya wanted to be the star. And she's talking (laughs) about Her booty workout that she's going to give to Phaedra because Kenya had a DVD that she she launched and it was competing with I think Phaedra's so she's like competing here but they wanted to like it looks like Kenya's the best dancer I don't know Nini's got some moves too that
4: was about I was confused why she was like she just had a baby and I sent her this workout and the okay I didn't know she had her own thing okay that makes more sense now (laughs) exactly
3: so it's funny because I think it was I think it was I think it was like sloppy is not the word, but like not well done <laughs> for the producers to not let the audience have a final answer on what Portia's condition was because it's, yeah. vasovag- it's vasovagal when you get up quick, when you get up and your blood pressure drops and you faint because it happens to me, my blood pressure crashes and some people wear compression socks and people have to leave their legs mm. up, but it's called vasovagal. And then this is long before people were talking about POTS, which is autoimmune and Portia was dehydrated too. And these are all symptoms that I have. Literally, I didn't realize this then, but her fainting, her having vasovagal, her being dehydrated, it's literally, it sounds like POTS, P-O-T-S, which is an autoimmune syndrome and i'd be interested to know because that's something that the audience could have related to and it's actually very popular and many women have spoken to me about it so i'd like to get a final but i know that that's what it was because she described it and she probably didn't even know the word pots because i learned it last year but vasovagal is a common term and that's what that was so i think they i was worried about her i was like i
4: I was like i gotta look into the so many people now i need to do my research on and check in on how they're doing now like I was worried about her and the show ended and I was like, well, what happened? Is she okay? Exactly.
3: Exactly. Oh my God. The girls are like shook that it later came up that she does have vasovagal oh, she like, does. exclamation. I'm a doctor. I guess I'm yeah. a part-time doctor. I literally started a new podcast. I They're shook. <laughs> They're like shook because I am I'm, I'm a doctor. Okay. Bethany, I, I part-time doctor. How funny. I, and I did say it was such authority. I said it was such did. authority. Like I knew. I believed like, you. Like, yes. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm a part-time doctor. So they all you. go on a bus trip, referring back to another bus trip where they couldn't get there. Uh, and then you get to really, you, uh, Caitlin, get to really meet Kenya and see how she's with her aunt who raised her as yeah. a daughter and with her dog who she's kind of turning into her child, which a lot of people do.
4: Yes. D- you know, it's
3: displaced, it feels like. Um, And the question comes up, which I've asked people, the child or marriage, if you had to only have one. And I remember once being in a glam room with a bunch of people and they all, all said the partner first, which shocked me because I would have always said the
4: child. And she kind of began... I am aunt, 100% child. Well, I consider my dogs my children at this point, but I froze my eggs when I was 32. And I always think about how... I'm just I'm not a very traditional person and I've never really dreamt of like a wedding and I've never really had that vision of, oh, when I'll get married and, you know, you go to school, you go to college, you get a good job, you get married, you have kids. I've always been like, I'm just going to go where the wind blows me and I'm going to do what makes me happy. And I've always thought of having a kid before marriage. But wait a second. You were
3: on The Bachelor. Yes. So what does that mean?
4: If you were on The Bachelor, weren't you there to find to find a partner? And I did. And we were together for three and a half years. We were engaged for three and a half years. And he came with me to freeze my eggs, actually. And then we broke up. And um, now I'm with a new partner You're with a
3: new partner. But marriage isn't necessarily a priority. You just like having a partner
4: we've been engaged for two years. And both of us like we're so focused on our careers. We're so focused on ourselves. We've I've never really dreamt of having a wedding. And it's just like, we've just never worked on it. And we've have, always talked about having kids.
3: You have a life partner, which sounds dorky and weird. But I have the same thing. And I'm the same yeah. I'm the exact same boat. And we've been engaged probably two years. And I just like it's like, we've chosen each other. And you know, one of us was more into that than the other, but was into more of the like formality and yeah. the tradition. But yeah. we both ended up evolving to be in the same place where, you know, people can choose to be together and people can choose to be in a committed relationship and you don't have to have a legal document right. to, you know, to, to, to seal that. Okay. So, so that was just interesting that the mother figure has kind of, suggested that she put that she get the child first and knowing Kenya knowing that she, she does have a lot of trauma to heal from her mm-hmm. childhood I, I understand I think that the child first is the right move for her that's what I think
4: yeah I mean it feels like she's had such a you know the the silent battle of you know being abandoned by your mom and then also she said she was having like infertility struggles or, or something along those lines oh, right and both of those feel like really silent battles and it's I'm glad she has somebody like a mother figure to her to talk through like, those things like
3: self-worth self-worth battles and am i damaged goods battles and you're you exactly in your own head but yeah it sounds terrible i mean there's a lot of reason why kenya uh can lash out and can be really tough and scathing because she's definitely one of those people that's like a wounded bird that's caged that like yeah or a wounded animal that like comes at you and i, I we all can, i mean i can relate to that
2: Hi, I'm Chris Harrison, host of the most dramatic podcast ever. I'm just like you, always looking for something interesting, heartfelt, and entertaining to listen to. You know, look, maybe you used to watch a show every Monday night, and now you have a lot of time on your hands, and you're looking for something new. Someone who's here for the right reasons, if you will. I've got you. Listen to the most dramatic podcast ever on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Hey guys, it's Jen Ashkowitz.
7: And Kevin McHale from And That's What You Really Missed podcast.
3: We are going through all six seasons of Glee and we are giving you the the behind-the-scenes stories of what it was really like filming the musical numbers and episodes.
7: It's been so special to revisit the show that changed our lives with some of our closest friends and to share some of the most authentic and real experiences we had together, completely raw and unfiltered. Plus, we chat with our co-stars like Jane Lynch, Chris Colfer, Heather Morris, Amber Riley, Harry Shemp Jr., Court Overstreet, Josh Sussman, Max Adler, Romy Rosemont, John Stamos, Alex Newell, and Dot Marie Jones on the pod, and so many more to come. We have some exciting guests coming up.
3: And we can't forget the the behind-the-scenes crew who made it all happen, our dear friends, and literally the hardest-working crew in Hollywood. From creators Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan to directors, camera operators, musical
1: directors, we are sharing all of our experiences on Glee.
7: So meet us in the choir room at McKinley High and join us weekly on And That's What You Really Missed available wherever you listen to your podcasts.
3: Now we're at the, we're at the wedding salon, the bridal salon, which is probably <laughs> one of the best scenes I've ever seen on reality television. I really didn't realize it because the juxtaposition of the white and the dresses and what this experience is always marketed to be. And it's great. I love my producers for choosing episodes that fit with the guests. Like you're here and I don't think they knew half of this about your childhood trauma and all these things we're talking about. So we got that as a bonus and all the commentary on reality TV we got as a bonus and the sexuality, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But like the wedding dress scene going to try and address is supposed to be angelic and so perfect and yeah. so like sort of almost phony and like drink a glass of champagne and it's gonna be perfect. Even if the wedding is gonna be perfect and the people end up divorced, that scene in your life or on television is always yeah. just perfect. So yeah. did you guys have those scenes where someone would go trying the wedding dresses on The Bachelor and Bachelorette? You must have. <laughs>
4: It's so funny because this is all just, I mean, I don't really believe in coincidences, but just the fact that two days ago I was watching, um, I went to try on wedding dresses with Jimmy Kimmel and Guillermo for like oh. a funny bit on their show. And it was okay. so funny because the girl at the bridal shop, you know, it's like all these white dresses and, you know, it's supposed to be like the virgin getting sent away right. by her father to another And you've man been called and, like the slut on television, right? Right. So they're like, oh, do you want something like, maybe different and pink and jimmy was like oh that's not fair is that because you watched her season and you don't think she deserves to wear white so that's that hilarious whole thing, it's just so funny so i ha- I just watched that two days ago to show my friend um just this funny bit that we did about trying on wedding dresses so then watching this scene I found it comical to be like, oh my gosh, this whole scene and what you said it's supposed to be just this magical moment and the tear falls when you get the right yes. one. And here <laughs> the, the mother is trying to throw a shoe and it was just incredible. Right,
3: so uh, it's so funny because this show is so weird in that even more than my other show, Just Be, which is about like talking about people in their lives and real issues. This show about something so ridiculous, meaning this show <laughs> rewives about yeah. tragic, ridiculous, absurd episodes so it always ends up bringing up so many real issues for me and the guests. Yeah. Like you and I are talking about like childhood trauma and abandonment yeah. and sexuality. It's So I love the show for that, that like there are always, always these gems and it's always full circle. And like, this is so weird that you're saying that because I'm feeling the same thing. I'm like thinking about my childhood and me, my mother and whatever. That's fa- so it's fascinating. So yeah, this is that angelic perfect scene. So let's get So Carmen is there and she's supporting her friend and boss and it makes total sense that she's there. Yeah, and the mom comes in so hot and is so disrespectful from the jump, yeah. like the side eye. The well, if she marries someone else, and she's just letting us know that like this wedding isn't going to happen, and that this is all just a freaking hand job. This is a charade. This is just a motion <laughs> that we're going through with these dresses, <laughs> uh, which probably the producers suggested to do. They wanted Tinsley to try on wedding dresses when she wasn't even engaged. So that's what yeah, they good, know what they're doing. That's a low hanging fruit scene that's going to rate it <laughs> yeah. for the viewer. Let's go try yeah. our wedding dresses. So now we're all in here and the mom is just, you know, rolling her eyes and also saying they're not getting married. And she's got two sidekicks. She's got the two backup dancers that are on the same exact page. And this is
4: Candy's family. Yeah, I know. That's what made me sad is I'm like, no, you're the family. I actually had a question for you because like in in Bachelor World, they will say, you know, like, well, you shouldn't be happy about this situation. The producers, I'm saying they'll be like, you shouldn't be happy about this situation. Like you should go in hot and feel this way because this is what this person did to you. I wonder, do producers like fire up the mom to go in there and and like amper up for
3: that? Probably not in as orchestrated as on a, a way or in produced way as the Hills and the bachelor or bachelorette. But what yeah. would happen was you are you getting out of the car to go into a scene and then you're being mic'd. So while you're being mic'd, the producer will come over while the sound person is micing you or get into the car. And be like, okay, remember to hit the beats about how you feel about Todd, how you feel about yeah. King, to the mom, to the mom, how you feel yeah. about Carmen, et cetera. And the producers might have said to Candy, are you going to stick up to your mom today? Are you going to whatever? And clearly Candy didn't. But there's some beat that's discussed that's going yeah. to go down. And like seeds are and planted. Then there's, something planted about what's happening in this moment. And then also the future moment. Like at the cabaret, there were beats that the producers said to the women that were like, okay, remember to invite everybody now. Remember to invite everybody to the trip because they always want to set up the next scene. So you're always paying right. it forward. So in each scene, you're trying to set up the next scene. It's happening while addressing what's happening in this scene and addressing something that happened before. Like and not not every talent hits all the beats. And some talents like myself right. are like, shut, stop. I-, I know what to do and leave yeah. me alone. And I'm not d- I want to do real. But yeah. often it's like, oh, remember to talk to, to the mom or the aunt about what happened last time, like, you know, past, present and future. So that's kind of how it goes down. But it's beats. Um, yes. The aunt is amazing. I just love the aunt. I don't know why. It's just like yeah. and she gets up, but she, and the friend is also amazing. Like Carmen is amazing and she's standing her ground. And yeah, where she really is the line? Cool. She kept her cool, but she still was fighting with her friends and her boss's mother. So, like, yes, where is that line? Like, I think, I think the friend should just respectfully leave. It's a mother and the daughter, and she's the, it's her boss and she was kind of almost about to throw down with the mom too and I agree with everything she was saying but I feel like that's the moment when it's like and she did I'm going to respectfully leave
4: Yeah, I feel like uh, obviously we needed that scene. But I would have just pulled candy aside right away and been like your mom is momming your mom's doing the mom thing. And I don't know how to deal with this. But of course, we needed that scene for TV. So I don't know where that line is of how to deal with it. Because you want to stand up for yourself. But you know that your friend can't even stand up to her own mom. So should you or should you back down and go? I don't know. Well, in real life, you wouldn't do that
3: because you wouldn't go up to the bride and like pull focus, even if someone was crazy. In reality life, you know, yes. And, you know, it's like if you say Mm -hmm. in reality life, oh, my God, I really hope there's no drama on this trip. Producers just want drama on this trip. So like Carmen leaving takes away from the drama. If she storms out, it adds to the drama and you have to do real. But like her being in the next room was probably the producer saying, stay in here and we'll have Candy come talk to you. And um obviously the fight was what made it iconic. So I, I'm glad that it happened. Um, exactly. First of all, before before we get into the show, I think the mom said the words, I will fuck you up. I'm pretty sure that she <laughs> said I will fuck. Okay, you heard that too? I, I, I think mean, I, I did like, because now that you say that, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I love like an, a mom saying at her daughter's bridal fitting, I will fuck you up. Like that's <laughs> insane and amazing. And I don't want it for my own With the journey. With but- in her
4: hand. <laughs> yeah. With a shoe in her hand. I have a question. Um, I went to a taping of uh, Watch What Happens Live because I, I love Brian Cranston and he was on there. And I had asked a question at the beginning and I said, do you think they'd ever do a Real Housewives of Nashville? And he was like, I think we're good on all the Housewives, but I feel like it would be so good to do a show in Nashville.
3: It might, but it's all about the cast and who they can find. And that they might mm. not be starting new cities. They might be like nurturing their own cities. And the franchise... Is having some issues. Certain flagship stores do really well, like Beverly Hills. Other yeah. cities don't do as well. But it's their biggest money-making, multi-billion-dollar property that the network owns. And also, cable networks are streamers for old people at this point. Oh, so it's it's a challenging time and space right. to start new ones, in my opinion. But of course, I don't I don't know. So Candy That's is a true. is passive and she's a stifler. She stuffs it down. And I think. She enables her mother. She does not set boundaries. Like It's okay yes. to like not go rip your mother a new one or be disrespectful. She said to Todd earlier, I would never speak to my mother that way. But she does not set any boundaries. So I wanted to know from the producers if to this day, it still goes on. And I also want to know if she's still in a good relationship with Todd because on another show the other day, oh, with Jill Zarin, I talked about who the longest lasting relationship surviving and thriving. It might have Kyla and Maurice- just allegedly sort of split. It seems like Candy and Todd have done a good job of staying together on a show as like main characters. So I don't right. know. Oh, so you don't know if they are still together or not. Candy and Todd, I believe that they definitely are. So, um, okay. so Candy's good at, you know, holding on to relationships she's had for a long time. And that's positive because she's still with Todd. I know. Um, I just want you to know that the mom, Mama Joyce said she, it was interesting because she was like, oh, they're not going to end up together. But and the, and Carmen is definitely sleeping with Todd, but she could have his little ass like so disrespectful <laughs> to your daughter's partner. Like, so I, think it's, but I think it's the best scene ever.
4: I mean, it's comical. It's it's really funny. I laughed out loud a couple of times and I just couldn't believe it was real because if that was my mom, <laughs> I just can't even imagine my mom doing anything like that. But that's now I think about it. Like you said, Candy holds on to relationships she's probably too scared to set any boundaries with her mom because she's too worried about losing that relationship or her mom just i don't know being done with her but somebody said there's a quote and i'm probably going to butcher it but it's about um the only people that boundaries affect are the ones who benefited from them in the first place so the mom is benefiting from her not having boundaries because she gets to like just you know yeah do her thing but candy's too afraid to set those boundaries because she's scared of her mom does that no? Make sense? there's
3: an imbalance in their relationship because candy's always suffering and the mom is always indulging her own impulses and it's yes. totally out of balance it's not like once in a while where someone could snap or you know my messaging isn't always great i could be a little scathing you know i never go below the belt but like then i course correct and check myself because there's a balance and in any relationship that i'm in whether it's my daughter or you know who someone I work with or my fiance, like I'm self-aware and the person is going yeah. to establish the boundaries. And I also set them too. it's just really very imbalanced. And I think it still is. Yeah. All right. So that was amazing. I think it's a, a great show. I think you were, you know, because when I started doing rewives, I thought about Paul, my fiance was like, you should really need to have people who really know about housewives. And I'm like, I like both. I don't like when someone yeah. comes on here and is like, Oh, I don't know. And I don't know, like you invested in it. you leaned into it. And we ended up having a lot of amazing conversations about life. I don't think both of us have to be experts on it, because right. then you get a fresh set of eyes and fresh perspective. So I like that. But you were the perfect guest for that. So I thank you for really leaning in and doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And we also got to talk about your life and your experience on TV. So I think it was really interesting. So awesome. All right. Thank you. So is there anything you wanted to promote that you're doing, by the way, I kind of tried to slip in there my podcast, but
4: um, what's it called? It's called off the vine. Off the vine. Oh, I think logo is so cute. And so is the background. Okay. Thank you. I've had it for six years. And um, you're the only other podcast that I don't listen to other podcasts. You're the only other one that I'll listen to. And it's helped me with um, I started my own wine label. And so oh, it's, nice. it's so helpful. Called it's all, Off the so, Vine? No. So we called it uh, Spade and Sparrows. It's, that's a whole other story. But um. My podcast was always a wine centric podcast and always on The Bachelor. Everyone knew me for having a glass of wine all the time. And so I started my own wine label with Don Sebastiani and Sons out of Napa. And um, we're in Target and Costco now and we're just growing. But um, I was wondering if you drink wine. I do. I just launched a Forever Young wine. What kind? Is it rosé or is it white? Yeah, I have white rosé, Pinot Noir and a cab. So sure, send it. I'll try it and maybe I'll do a review. I would love that. Thank you, honestly, thank you so much for having me. And I would love an honest review for you of of the wine. And I'm can't wait to try yours. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Have thank a good day. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.
3: Well, that was unexpected and amazing. And she was so insightful and interesting and smart and like I, I that was really great. I mean, I loved her. Gorgeous, inside and out. Wow. I like her a lot. That was great. Really great. And sometimes you hear like, Oh, it's a bachelorette actually bachelor, and I thought, like, you know, is she gonna be Fascinating and interesting and smart and guess what she really was that was wonderful. So I'm really happy today. That was great.